Well, let's let's begin actually in January of the new millennium. Yes, I'm talking about January of the year 2000, when the American rapper that goes by the name of Common dropped the album Like Water for Chocolate. This Chicago native released an album meant to bring him from the underground into the mainstream, and with the single The Light leading the way, he started making himself heard as a neo-soul rapper that the ladies and the brothers could all support. But why go back two decades to talk about Common? Well, the title of his album is my interest in this episode opening. Common named his album Like Water for Chocolate, and that was borrowed from the 1989 Laura Esquivel, Como Agua para Chocolate, a beautiful love story set at the start of the 1900s and written in the style of magical realism. Esquivel's novel was even made into an award-winning film in 1992. Como agua para chocolate is a phrase used across Mexico and in other Spanish-speaking communities to describe when one's emotions are on the brink of boiling over. So just as you don't want to bring the water to a hard boil when melting chocolate for, let's say, hot chocolate, we should also keep our emotions from boiling over and destroying something sweet. That is what Esquivel's title meant. But what did common mean? Well, I did a little research and found an archived MTV interview from the year 2000 where Common discussed why he borrowed Esquivel's title when naming his project. His answer was an unexpected departure from the Spanish origin. He said he took the water in Like Water for Chocolate to represent the water side in him as his zodiac sign is Pisces. And he took the chocolate to represent the soul, the blackness in the music. Now, sometimes inspiration stops at the surface with a title, and that's okay. But other times, inspiration, it dives deeper. Now, not too long ago in the year 2020, that is this year, Jamaican music maker Protégé he released an album titled In Search of Lost Time. Protégé's reading of portions of Marcel Proust's hefty text gave way to his fifth studio album of the same name, In Search of Lost Time. We had a rather reflective discussion about how this French novel influenced this Jamaican man's musical process. As Protégé responded to my queries, I listened for the parallels, and I considered how his 10 tracks matched up with the seven volumes of Marcel Proust's work. I listened to him speak and and thought, maybe the parallels are to be made with Proust himself, and not just the words Proust penned. After all, all art reveals its creator. All art reveals its creator. Yes, it's worth repeating. So why not share with you some of what happens between the covers of In Search of Lost Time by Marcel Proust's. Here, I'll give you an excerpt to whet your literary appetite. 
I'll give you this excerpt so that you can perhaps understand what it was that jogged Protégé to create this album. This novel was published in installments between the years 1913 and 1927. These are the words of the narrator of Swan's Way, Volume 1. Our social personality is created by the thoughts of other people. Even the simple act, which we describe as seeing someone we know, is, to some extent, an intellectual process. We pack the physical outline of the creature we see with all the ideas we have already formed about him. And in the complete picture of him, which we compose in our minds, those ideas have certainly the principal place. In the end, they come to fill out so completely the curve of his cheeks, to follow so exactly the line of his nose. They blend so harmoniously in the sound of his voice that these seem to be no more than a transparent envelope, so that each time we see the face or hear the voice, it is our own ideas of him which we recognize and to which we listen. Now, why did I choose this excerpt? Well, you may think you know protege. You may even think you know me. But surely what you think you know and what draws you to him, maybe what draws you to me, what draws you to anyone is what you see first reflected back as you. What draws you to him, what draws you to me, what draws you to anyone is what you first see in yourself. That's what that excerpt tells us. Yes, the autobiographical narrator considers how much of ourselves we seek to find in others. Proust, as contemplative narrator, considers how much what we assume, what we think, what we believe, and expect of someone else winds up determining how we ultimately see, feel, and perceive that person. So while we are familiar with the phrase, you are what you eat, for example, it could be said that people are who we want them to be. And people are who we are ourselves, for better or for worse. So we fill them up with our own projections, our own prejudices, our own tastes and dislikes that are born more from our own minds than from the individuals we encounter. I offer that analysis of just one scene in just one of the volumes of this one million word novel, one of the longest novels to be written. And I do this as a way of asking you to suspend your projections. Suspend your projections and take in protege for what and who he is. So let's do that. Let's do that by first listening to his music and then by listening to our conversation. Here he sings Deliverance, a song rich with themes taken up by Proust, a song produced by protege and Iotash, but also this is a song that's rich with themes that are present in all of our lives. Hear this song and this album and hear how it's much more than a zodiac sign and black chocolate soul. No offense, Common. Hear songs about the search for lost time, as we are always losing time and seeking to recover parts of our impressionable childhoods. Hear Deliverance. 
and hear gratitude for a mother's love, a father's support, gratitude that effort has paid off, and gratitude that planted seeds are yielding a creative bounty. Give thanks for life, and let's go with this episode. Hey, I see this life I live and I look on it like oh my Time fly yo, ten year drop arguments in oh nine Find my family to the Grammy, oh God, remember me trying That's a part of me, I cannot delete, keep that shit in my mind I was sitting outside the studio waiting just to get rice Then would send me home, come back every day, never even think twice That was me in 2008, you see Nobody never did a fly the gate for me Nobody never did a try and make way for me So me take time, I'm a guy that careful I've been thinking of Please don't bring the damn feelings up Love my dad that don't seem enough We had reasonings while steaming up Where the farming our feet's the same See the sun, you gon' see the rain Throughout all of this we remain I owe my heart, I give my praise Oh, shall deliver me through these days Sometimes really I have to go and face it Oh, this life can truly be amazing Amazing past week like I've just been because I was always like not always saying I need the physical but it's so much more efficient I'm reading through making my notes highlighting Mm -hmm. copy pasting Mm -hmm. putting that back pages where it is two things done I have my two hands (laughs) like doing something reading and it's like it's just been I've been reading at a much more um ravenous space yeah. which is dope it's only been a week but it's been like constant so oh, i am um, i'm looking forward to check this out too well i'm really glad that the digital or the ebooks work for you yeah. right some people it doesn't work for and unfortunately um we kind of have to rely on it in this place that we live yeah. because the distribution isn't always it's, it's like i saw a book yesterday and mm-hmm. i was like this looks interesting and i started to read it right. on the spot because it could do i don't want to have to like there's no book there's no strand bookstore in kings there's yeah. no nothing for me to get stuff so yeah. what i do though is that when i if i read something and i like it mm-hmm. i still get the physical right. so i can feel it and that's the thing there's something about feeling those books for, for me sure. that is just incredible like my original copy of crit crack like the, the one I read first, like 15 years, probably more ago, it is a mess. Yo, like I have to reinforce yeah, that no, book. Yeah. <laughs> but I love it and I will never, oh God, you'd have to like take it from my cold dead hand. That's the way I feel about the, oh, wow. the other text I have. It just feels that good to me. And every time I read it, I find something else. Wow. But it's good that we're starting off in the conversation about text because we should talk about Proust. Okay. Okay. So, um... Have you read In Search of Lost Time? Volume 1, I've been reading it for like... <laughs> 10 years. It's dense, you know. He's, A million words. He's super, he's mm. super dense. But like I'll read stuff and research stuff. Like I'm very much um, into like getting the feel of what he was saying. So mm-hmm. just by starting to read it, it, was, it connected to me so deeply. Mm. Because he would speak of like... You know, when he wakes up in a room, before his consciousness comes down, before he even is, he'd be lost in all the different rooms he has been in over his lifetime before he realizes 
it, it comes down to him that, oh, I'm here and this is now. And I thought about that because I wake up in a different bed mm. all the time. Like, I, I wake up in a different bed all the time. And it's like, I thought about when I, when I woke up, like when I wake up in a, in a hotel somewhere, I'm not even sure where I'm at. And, and just feeling, just feeling, thinking about days, waking up in places where I'm so comfortable and feel so at home and I think that just kind of kick-started my mind into a whole thing about the time I'm spending in places I'm so unfamiliar with and mm. that kind of kick-started this idea of the album. Hmm. Yeah. Okay, okay. So, like, when I think about Proust and I think about that text um, and what it's attempting to do, right, the kind of huge task that that Proust puts before himself of trying to understand the meaning of life, yeah. right? The value that one can extract from it. Yeah. Um, and he sets out with these like three goals, right? Or these three spaces to test. I'm not giving you any spoilers, I don't think, right? Yeah. I know that you're still working through the million words. But, I, um, and I have the first three volumes. Yeah. I bought them all on impulse one day. Good. And, and the, other, the second one is called... Um, the second, first one is Swan's Way. The second one is called In the Shadows of Young, of young Women in Bloom. And that's where I got the mm. idea for In Bloom as well. Okay. Just from the second. Uh, or I think it would be called Young Women in Flower. Right. But it, some translations, whatever. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And, um, but yeah, continue. I'm just saying that I, it's, it's like the way how we, it's very dense. But mm. just the, the thing is, is with, with me, it's just, something that sparks any sort of thing that I latch to mm -hmm. and gives me a purpose to fulfill like a project because for me it I have to get this thing that that gets me to say I want to complete the task of making an album like an idea mm -hmm. and once I get wrapped up in an idea I just find many many ways and many songs to really portray just just like not many, many ideas, you know, but just a feeling. And I just use the songs as instruments. So, I mean, with that said, I'm wondering, so did you write all of this album, all of the songs that are on this album, were they written for this album? Yes, for sure, without question. Okay. Without question. Okay. Everything was written specifically for mm -hmm. the project. Mm -hmm. and so there's, there's a way that... It, it can make a listener, I guess, follow the breadcrumbs, right? Which is one of the the wishes that Proust has, is that he'll leave a kind of breadcrumb trail for the reader. Like, here is how he's figured out what life could mean. You can read this text and maybe you'll understand how he understands life, but then yeah. maybe you'll also have your own understanding. Right. Um, so he has this idea that you're going to that he's going to test out whether or not you know social, the social mobility aspect is the way to understand life, right? It's upward yeah. mobility and being around you know the beautiful people, the way to seize the most or grab the most out of life. Mm -hmm. That's what he explores in, in in the text, and he determines that that's not the answer. Right. Then it's of course Clearly. the idea of love <laughs> is you know is chasing down your love. Attaining that love, is that the way to find the, the meaning of life? And he's like, eh, that's not really it either. But it's about art. So 
have you taken all of those same kinds of journeys? I mean, I could think about it in in your past albums and in this album as well, um, but to think about your career as as navigating those spaces. And certainly with this album that seems to be so much about gratitude for all those people who helped you along the way, right? To open those doors, to build yourself, to grow yourself. Did you put yourself in those kinds of spaces of saying, I'm going to try to find the cool kids and hang out with them and maybe they'll give me some energy. I'm going to try to find love and maybe that will give me the energy I need for life. Did you live this Proust life? So Definitely, far. and I think more so of late, and I think I think overall it's like the searching, the searching, trying to find a way to feel fulfilled, to feel happy, to not feel sad, to not feel inadequate, to not mm-hmm. feel just to not feel those things, or from a positive vibe to feel to feel something else, or to feel something that feels more real, or. Mm-hmm. Or the the thing is why I find that people will I'm reading a book now that's I just finished it's my second time, but it's the most important thing I've I have read, I think. It's a book called Sufferings of Young Werther. And um it speaks to some way I've never read something that I would say I wouldn't say that never read something that connects to me, but the the it, it gives me that um you know like the, this this never ending search that one, he said something in it is like, you know, he wish he would have had, not had these many feelings and just to live in oblivion and not really be conscious of all these states that he's feeling. And I think that, I think that with me, it's like, it's like going through all of these things and searching for, let's say, just more meaning. Because people that don't get to pursue their dreams they think that all their happiness resides in the attaining of these dreams and goals. Mm-hmm. So they live their whole life thinking, you know, I'm not happy, but I knew if I had these things, I would be happy. So you almost have a resolve that your happiness lies somewhere. And maybe you have the hope that maybe one day you'll get it. Maybe it's you'll win the lottery or you'll do whatever, the, however it is you're going to, or you're gonna get that big break, and so you live in this perpetual wanting of, of of our knowing that your happiness may be a step away. It it is now when when you're a person that has achieved your goals and has attained the things that you've dreamt about, and then not got that feeling that you've expected. Mm-hmm. That's when I think life fucks with you, or it really makes you feel where do I go now and that's why you'll see so many people that have achieved so much great things in life and you would hear them be depressed or they'll off themselves or yeah. they'll substance abuse and all these things and you're like yo their life is so great yo if I was them yo I'd be happy or whatever but you don't get that one has spent his life trying to find something that he thinks will fulfill him and will will make him whole and then one has put in the work and been at the top of their field to get to that point and mm-hmm. dedicated hours and and miss missed out and spending time with family and friends and all these things to get this thing and then when you get them you realize hold on a second and then probably you deep you dig further and further until you realize that you know it, it's kind of messy mm-hmm. so I feel that um, I'm sure 
in, in search of lost time, he'll speak about attaining things and getting in circles and being around and then realizing the emptiness is still there. Yeah. So, Alchemist, all of these books that mm -hmm. talk about the thing, whole thing being within. So are you, do you feel like you've attained it yet? Whatever the it is for you? And I mean, I've attained enough to know that um, it doesn't really make any difference. Like you'll feel accomplished and you do your goals and whatever, but it doesn't really make any difference. Like, I don't want to say it doesn't make any difference, but it doesn't make any... Everything from the out, nothing from the outside, I think, can make you more whole. Mm -hmm. So I think that, yes, I, I, there will be more that I want to achieve in music, but I know that my happiness will not lie in not achieving it or achieving it. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. yeah, I mean, I, I kind of feel the same kind of way. There's a, a sense of the more you, the more I've gained, I can't say you, um, I don't want to put it outside of myself, but the more I gain, the more I want to shed at the same time. Um, and the shedding can also be a sharing. It doesn't have to be just a complete removal of, mm. but there's the more that one has, there's more that one wants to, to unload as well, to mm. spread, spread around, that sort of thing. So attainment isn't always happiness. Um, is it only music that fulfills you? No, I wouldn't say that people fulfill me. Mm -hmm. And it's weird, I have a weird relationship with people because- Are you an introvert? Definitely. Mm -hmm. And um but at the same time I get a lot of joy from from people's happiness, I think. So it's like um music is what I give myself to the most and it brings out the most in me. But I do like on occasion I really do like what I get from people because it's it's what makes me realize I'm part of something whole. Mm -hmm. So it, when I get to meet people or that just give me a vibe that relaxes me and say, wow, you know, like, you're not completely alone. Mm -hmm. yeah. yeah, I mean, hearing you say alone and then I guess thinking about another term you used earlier, which was um, not necessarily to, to describe yourself, but you mentioned inadequacy right mm -hmm. it does still sound like there's more that you're trying to do want to do um and is any of it outside of music right so i know it's not music alone that fulfills you so what it's else? not really want to do it's more who want to be you okay get me? it's mm -hmm. not more want to do there's 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 like there's no inadequacy in what i want to achieve or get like that to me is like it's neither here nor there believe me it may sound like like music no really stress me out or oh my god I want to achieve like it don't because it's not real it's just come and go it's like mm -hmm. it don't really make a difference yeah? people that achieve way more than me people that achieve way less than me but in terms of inadequacy it's just about being the person who I envision myself to be or, or who I want to be and um those are the things that more concern me on an everyday basis. The, mm -hmm. my, you know, how I feel about myself, the reflections I have, the, um, the, how honest I am to myself about how I feel or who mm -hmm. I am and the things I'm doing and assessment of it. That's what takes up most of my um, time in my yeah. head. Yeah. Um, 
How old is your daughter? Three. How much does her existence on this planet influence some of these thoughts? I mean, that's also coming out of Proust, right? This idea that, that children look at the world. I know for myself, having three kids, three little sweeties, but how they have looked at the world at every step of the way, and then having a pair of twins, so two people, same age, that can view the world completely differently at the same exact time, I get to see things I never saw before yeah. or things that I closed my eyes to over time. Um, so how much does having a three-year-old <laughs> in your life, you know, barring her eyes, how much does that give you? It gives me a lot, but it just gives me unconditional love. It gives me happiness. It makes me know that she not pre nothing but me pulling up to her. So it's like, how, how stupid am I being now, like, be concerning about some st all these other stuff and stuff and other like people's opinions or concerns or expectations of me when I have like somebody who at least for now is just completely enamored with my presence. You think that's gonna change? Um everything changes but mm -hmm. it's just in a different way I'm sure. Mm -hmm. I'm sure if I put my time in and show love and, and interest and care for her, it will come back to me from her as well, as it, as it has done now. And there were times when I was very impatient about her affection towards me and I had to tell myself, you know, she's two years old, like you can't be like taking stuff personal, but I would feel like she just didn't warm up to me as much as I wanted to. And um, Lindsay would have to be like, you know, you just have to put in more, like you have to just put in time and effort like mm -hmm. anything. And I, I saw that I was like, all right, let's not go into like a war of mm. mental, like Olympics with a two-year-old. Yeah. Let's just try to, to not be upset. I find myself almost feeling hurt. Like yeah. she, she, she doesn't want to sit with me. And you like, can't make kids do anything, especially they can't, they, you can't make them talk to no, you, hug you or anything. No. So it's like, you'll <laughs> feel, it's weird because I'm a grown up, but you'd still feel like, you know, like, like, am I, just am I, am yeah, I, am I, am I, am I, I good something? Enough? I mean, I good enough, like, why won't you? Mm -hmm. So I'm saying like, like these things just come from in every aspect. And if you're feeling a certain way, it, it encompasses everything you think. So you're like, am I not good enough? Dad, am I not yeah. doing it? Like, and anyway, the, the, you know, I've put in a lot of effort into her. And like, I'm super good with children, like four years and up. Like, <laughs> Notice but, that your daughter is under four. No, she, but she is advanced. Like, I didn't expect to have this relationship until she was a bit older. Okay. But I'm very good at dialogue and back and forth and mm -hmm. words and, and talking. So... Once I get dialogue, I'll sit with a five-year-old all day mm -hmm. talking, like hearing what they're saying. And that's what I enjoy about my daughter the most now, her yeah. opening up my world to just simplicity, I mm -hmm. guess. Yeah. So um, I think this is a fair segue. Um, I know that students of mine um, think about you as a feminist, uh, a feminist artist. Um, what do you... What do you say to that? I don't know what that means. So because of that, I stay away from... Are you a feminist? How about that? I, I don't know what it means to be a feminist. Okay. So I don't want to put a definition on myself and mm -hmm. I'm not 
qualified or educated enough on what something means to say I am that. I'm very against labels. I'm very against. Yeah. I just let my deeds speak for themselves mm-hmm. as my actions speak for themselves because I don't want to so anything to in, anything that involved with women, mm-hmm. I allow women to be leave them to be what I say responsible for defining those like those sorts of things. Mm-hmm. So I, I just don't know what to say about that. I do know though that I believe that you know all spirits are equal. I don't believe that there is I don't believe I don't believe that men are superior to women or women are subservient to men. I believe that the world has been set up in favor of men and I believe that women have to work a lot harder to achieve things. And I see that come out in my interaction in music and working with women and and seeing that men have generally have an entitlement. So work ethic doesn't seem to be in my experience as much as when I work with women, they almost have an idea a feeling that if I don't really put put in this work and effort and intensity, I'm not gonna achieve what this what this man achieves with half of the effort. So it translates that way. So in terms of I think people will say that because of the things that I'll say sometime or or I think too just working with a lot of women I think they automatically see that as feminism I don't I don't think that would be the case because you can still do that but not have a level of respect so I just don't really get into definitions of any any kind like nobody can say I am this and fair enough right so um so what you described though in terms of access and opportunities right and how the world has been constructed one would say that's the patriarchal system right so that male males have more power because they've taken more power right so that's the the system of patriarchy that women are working against which is what you were talking about when you said that they um have to work harder or women believe they have to or actually have to work harder in these kinds of spaces. Now, feminism is a really simple term um, that I think a lot of people think has a different meaning than it does, which I think is why a lot of people wind up resisting the term because they think feminism is something having to do with burning bras and you know pushing women to do this or killing men or yeah. something extreme like jihadist style and that's not what um what feminism is there are levels of extreme feminism but feminism in general is um a belief that there should be equal access despite gender despite the sexes right that's that's it and that's and i don't have a problem with the word at all Mm -hmm. i just have a problem with you've got to understand you may know what that definition is but i guarantee you 7 out of 10 people don't. And Probably that's being more. generous. Right? right, and that's and so that's why I made clear so, to say that, yeah. So it's like mm-hmm. when when I am defined by that term now, 7 people have a skewed impression of what it means. Mm-hmm. And that's how it is with everything. So you'll say Rasta. Right. And it means a thousand different things to what it... So I'm like, you know what? Fuck all of that. I don't give a shit about being defined by anything. Mm-hmm. If somebody wants to... 
say that that's fine, but I will never go and say I am like, like the, the most I'll go and say is that I am human. Jamaican. Do you say Jamaican? I was going to give you Jamaican. Do you do that? I, yes, I'm a bit partial to being Jamaican. Okay, so you're a Jamaican <laughs> human. I'm a bit partial to being Jamaican, I must say. You know what I mean? But mm. even within that, if you want to be ped not just a fanatic, but if you want to be technical about, mm-hmm. you know, what does even being Jamaican mm. mean? You can go into mm-hmm. any definition, you can go into dissecting it and right. then say, what does that even mean? So, yeah. so I just human for the most you know human works um sometimes i feel like an alien though sometimes too, you know? so you know do you think we'll have a time again where black lives will matter or people will rally in large numbers to to have better representation in jamaica there are so many people in jamaica that financially have so little but it's going to always take the middle class to be involved. That's what Walter Rodney always said, who, when it comes to matters of um, organization, of building up, like, you know, standing for something, that's who I really, that's like my mentor in a way. So I like obviously favor his views and ideologies of how things should like be approached, but I feel and I just don't feel we have that culture of like wanting to stand for something. It's, but it's, does the, has a musician kind of taken the place of a, of the the public intellectual to some degree? I mean, Walter Rodney, and then it's as if the lyrics of a Bob Marley come in right in those in that time period that is after. Yeah, but we need it together. Yeah, I, I think we need it to be. It, it has to be together, and and. Because maybe it's the colonialism, but like we're very resistant out here. We're very resistant. And in these types, in these times with information, it's so easy to destabilize. Maybe if Walter Rodney was now, there'd be memes about him being a lunatic Mm -hmm. and 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 to the same people, age group that revered him so much that time, he may be a laughing stock because because you know things travel so much faster when it's propaganda and it's like you know what I mean it's, yeah, it's so yeah, hard to be like yo I should have the days like Marcus Garvey it was the days like Marcus Garvey oh he'd be a laughing stock whole mm-hmm, mm-hmm. of Jamaica would have burned him out yeah. and I said I want to that mad money I come talk about go back Africa we want to talk about go back Africa. People and that's that, how they said it that's what they said right but imagine now with social media yeah. so I'm saying that it's so easy to destabilize destabilize anybody trying to do anything or trying to effect change mm-hmm. that that you, you look at it and you take stock and you be like do I dedicate my life to this and sacrifice my family and my personal life and 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 mm. and, and my peace of mind to try to do something that when you look at every statistic around you tells you that bro it will not like shit is, it won't work mm-hmm. it's, it's a thing yeah so it's like even musically when I sing you know the blood monies and not another word and mm-hmm. all of these songs and Bob Marley sang all of his songs and and Peter Tosh and everybody and Sizzler and everybody and obviously change was affected but when you look at look when you look at Jamaica now and you look at the people who 
what the people are going through, how people suffer and the mentality. How is how is is it really better than say nineteen eighty? We don't know. I wouldn't be able to vouch for that. Mm-hmm. So it's like musically I even start to think. Even not another word I'm say, yo, me stops um I can't believe my fair thing about them thing and like mm-hmm. as an adult my fair thing to adult about emptying your garbage, like not throwing stuff out a car window. It's 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 like as a big man, as a grown up, it's like like should I even be th- I, I need to I need to think about some more um internal things at this point in my life mm-hmm. and try to connect with people on that way and feeling as opposed to giving a commentary of what's happening. You know, we see what's happening and we don't care. So it's like more let me try to talk to people's feelings and emotions and mm-hmm. see if by sharing mine I can connect with the listener and that's what this album but set this sets this album apart from every other work I've done. Whereas there have been flashes of it in in all my work, but this one is me just accepting. Say, you know what? I, I'm gonna leave people to be people, hmm. and I'm going to express myself in a way that I think can inspire. Mm-hmm. Yeah. There can be a lot of disillusionment, right? Um, and frustration. Um with how time has not changed, yeah. right? Um, that's something that I do find, I personally find very frustrating with Jamaica. I was just saying to someone today that tradition will be our downfall here. Um, we rely too heavily on it. Um, yeah, I and like it, that. It, it, it makes it impossible to move forward when we're saying, no, we must drag everything behind us. Yes, everything. We must, we have to, we have to, because this is all we have. And then, and then we don't understand that our traditions are steeped in... Right, they're not our own. In, exactly, <laughs> it's not even so... What we're trying to do now is, is evolve into something. And and as you say, like a lot of people and even youth still are very resistant to... Well, my father used... And it's like, all right, well, you know? Yeah. But that's not to say, though, that I haven't seen a lot of change, but I'm just saying... On a whole, mm-hmm. but that's why I say like to not be overwhelmed with oh my God the world is like mm-hmm. just just build from the from from inside out and yeah. if it's inside and then it's the people directly around you and then it's it's a spread so like yeah. I I like like I I can say I've seen change so that's why you still do what you do but I'm just saying the way I communicate with people is mm-hmm. different now. The messages and philosophies and ideas are still there. Yeah. But the way I communicate to you is different. So now the, the past is not always a problem, right? So I'm saying here tradition can be problematic or bringing it and dragging it behind us. Um, there are great elements of our past, certainly Walter Rodney. Um, but I guess to think some more, more specifically about music, your music, the broader space of Jamaican music, can you talk about the importance, relevance um, of someone like Aini Kamozi to your work, um, Hugh Mandel to your work, um, Sade to your work, um, and dub overall, because you are consistently engaging in dub spaces, right? And having dubs for um, your work, for Savannah's work, for Leela's work. So if we think about what dub is doing, right? Yeah. These kinds of multiple iterations of a single um, or of an original track, right? Yeah. Or of an original 
tune. What can we say there? Like, what's your relationship with dub and, and some of these artists? Dub music is what started me, my love affair with reggae music. Up until dub music, reggae music was just something that older people listened to. I didn't really get into reggae music as a youth. Like, it was there in my... But the music I heard growing up was early dancehall and hip-hop. So, like... So, like... Papa Son, like, who I sampled on the new album with, like... Strange things is happening. Like, them music, they are... are you know what I mean? Yeah. Tiger and... and Stitchy, Stitchy and mm-hmm. Ninja Man and these are the things that I grew like. That's my the first thing of music I can remember hearing is a Slick Rick children's story. Oh, wow. That's my first piece of music. I my conscious mind lets me say I knew, as in I could sing it as the entire well. track, yeah. Right and and general degree the first the first dancehall song I, I saw him yesterday. Oh, I saw him yesterday at the in Papine. Yeah. Right. And the first song I can remember, knowing like and say I know this song was General Degree a song called Granny, mm. and he was singing like a grandmother. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And um, so early dancehall was a thing for me and and hip hop, and so by the time I got into it, re- I remember being so upset when Butcher Banton started to um, um, do reggae music. Okay. I was upset because it's Butcher Banton, yeah. he's the baddest dancer. You needed artist, him in that so space, yeah. yeah, yeah. You understand, like, me there, me here, big it up, girl, you see a body rider, you rule, you want, you come first. You see me, I say, like, girl, you made my day. Yeah. And like me, I say, yo, these are the baddest artists. And then it's like, you know, him start growing locks and, and then it's like, till I'm later, and him come for interview, and him, I say, yeah, my next album I'm going to be, a reggae album and let me I watch entertainment report like yo what am I talk about what am I talk about mm-hmm. and I sound like me, me not because like it didn't I didn't even know it was current you feel what I mean I yeah. say and the the bus I used to go to school in every day till Shiloh would play in that mm-hmm. bus every day every single day for the entire semester and you were mad the whole time no no no, no. Oh. after the first time I think it was till I'm late to rest mm-hmm. when I saw the video. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And some some catch me in my chest and I said, no man, but this but this is something like you must sing about some meds and like as a young youth and I was like I connect with what I'm saying and at that moment I start listening to music. So Till Shiloh had an impact, but even then in my teens it was hip hop and stuff, but Till Shiloh mm-hmm. was a thing for me. But when it really hit me, you know, it's like, it's weird. I was playing a video game, Grand Theft Auto. Mm-hmm. And there was a station on it that had a dub album, Scientist Reads the World of the Evil Curse of the Vampires. Oh, okay. And I heard that and it sounded to me like, I was like, hip hop comes from this. This is, and like the drums were like, and I'm like, who is playing these drums? And then it was like, I found out it was, um... You know, like Style Scott and um and Flabber Holt and, and, and them crew. And I was like, yo, then I started, you know, for then there was like, yo, comparing them to Sly and Robbie and then I went and listened to that. But all of the music I was going to listen to was in um 
It was a dub version. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And then, then I would be like, okay, this is the song for the dub. This is a, was a Johnny Osborne. And yep. then I go listen to Johnny Osborne and I'd be like, oh, so these are just rhythms of songs that people sing. It's and like breadcrumbs, right? I Finding all of it. I saw me start listening to reggae music, yeah. like that way. They, and not just reggae music, but specifically like 1980 to 85. That, that's where I really like, like, like. How them would I say? Really, that's that's my entry point mm -hmm. into reggae music, like Sly and Robbie, them digital sound, and 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 John Jala's Volcano mm -hmm. Channel One sound. Them, that's what that's how I really got into it. And mm -hmm. once I heard Anika Moses' album, um, Sly and Robbie present Anika Moses. Yeah, it was over. <laughs> that was over. Then I was like, yo. I know exactly what I want to do musically, mm. you know, with the song. Just update this song to like, like more and more modern. Mm -hmm. And 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 again, I just feel that's what I've been trying to do, and I feel like I've really, really achieved that on this album. Yeah. Can I just ask you one more thing about the um, hip hop though? Um, so who were your, like, who were you really into for hip hop at this time? At this early time. The early, early time? Yeah, you said I, Slick Rick, but... Slick Rick was just somebody would rap me the Slick Rick every day. Yeah. I never actually heard the song until... Slick Rick was when I was like nine. Yeah. Or ten or something. Right, and right. Somebody would sing it to me and I would be like, yo, sing it to me again. Sing it to me again. It was like an older guy. Yeah. So my dad coached like at a school, so I'd know all the 18-year-olds and whatever. And... and he wrote down every lyric to, to me and said, yo, you learn it and sing it yourself. Mm -hmm. And so that's, so, you know, so, but when hip hop really, obviously like Tupac was a huge, is still a huge, huge influence mm -hmm. on me. And, and Tupac and Biggie, obviously, but overall, I would say at that time it was, yeah, those two. Okay. Just really those two. And that Bone Thugs and Harmony okay. was the main. Sorry, Bone Thugs and Harmony was the main. And then it was Tupac and Big. One of your songs, I should have written down the name of it because I was trying to check before I came in here. And I'm like, one of these gives me a Notorious Thugs vibe. Yeah. Maybe. I mean, I mean, I'm not saying that you're like, okay, I'm going to just do it. But it's it's in there. The same way that no, Shade is sure. in there. I have, you know? a song, I have a song that's going to come out with a Trini artist called... His name is Jimmy October. Oh, okay, yeah. And the song is called Dangerous. And the song is... Um, the chorus goes, oh, She's dangerous, so dangerous, so dangerous. And I enter the song saying, Come and dangerous. Can't too many come hang with us. And you when did that on IG Live? Know, yeah. That's where I heard it. I okay. said, oh, so this is this yeah. is what's going on. No, so yeah, yeah okay. So sure. these are your influences yeah, or your sure. inspirations and all that. For sure. And yeah. then Jay-Z is who I really patterned like protege hmm. off. You know what I mm -hmm. mean? Like like what what protege sees as success, how he wants his career to look, how does he want to transition through his career? Like he gave me the vision. Mm -hmm. The blueprint? He did he did give me the blueprint? <laughs> he did Sorry. give me the, no, it's good. I should have said that. He 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 did give me the blueprint and and if you really study my career and see his, it it parallels it mm -hmm. to a where where obviously I adapt to who I am and my surroundings, but he kind of gave me the blueprint and also just the way how to 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 um, express yourself through music. Cool.
well, you know what? I think those are all the questions I had for you. You have any questions for me? Questions for you about <laughs> life. Um, I needed to recommend me some books actually. I can do that because, like, I just want to see what else is out there. Mm-hmm. There's um, a book I was trying to bring you today, but you know how Jamaica works. Um, but Diana McCauley has a new book that you need to read. Everyone needs to read. What's it called? It's called Daylight Come, and it is set in the year 2084, mm. and it's very scary. Because it's like this idea of climate change and how it can completely ruin everything. Um, yeah, it's really, really, really a frighteningly possible story. Oh, do I need to take that on? No. You do need to take this on now. Even I mean, yeah. you can read three chapters. They move very fast. You can yeah. read three chapters and put it down and just be haunted for about four weeks. And then come back again. It's a good haunt. Like it's a good haunt that makes you like conscious of like, okay, what am I doing right and wrong? You know, what do I need to tell people now that could help? So, you know, if it was stressful enough, I guess, to have to make a song about um, anti-littering, right? If that was stress, then this book will give you more stress because you're going to realize all the things that people need to be doing differently. But of course, just start with yourself. Yeah. You know? For sure. You know what? You're right. Yeah, it's hard. Because it's a serious issue. I was seeing. I watched that thing you told me to watch. Social climber. Yeah. Social climber. Social dilemma. Oh, what's that? The thing on Netflix about the social media and oh. what's happening with it, but like really scientifically, what's happening with it? Scientifically. Yeah, like from the people who created oh, like okay. the things, and just what. To me, not scientifically in terms of the numbers and mm-hmm. like what, what they're on their end and they're able to see happening to people mm. and knowing why. Oh, okay. You know, so it's like, it's knowing why. So it's, it's knowing that, that anxiety and mm-hmm. suicide oh, yeah. between like, what I say, like 13 to 17 year old has, has gone up to 190%. They know why because, and it's like, we know, like the things in the documentary, I wouldn't say I know, but I had an idea. Mm-hmm. But the specifics that how deliberate it is, like how the entire thing is so deliberate mm-hmm. and for advertising, that's all. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It's just deep to, it was deep to hear the things that, that like nothing, like nothing is. Everything's planned? Nothing oh, yeah. is for, you know what I mean? Yeah. There's always another intent behind it's it. It's whoa. It's a whoa thing. Yeah. So that's no, it's really crazy. Yeah. But I'll, I'll, I'll check that book out for sure. Yeah, but I'll, I'll let you know some more texts, you know, um, that you can find readily on your e-platforms so yeah. that you can just start reading them ASAP. Where but did you yeah, go to school? For undergrad? Yeah. Uh, University of Pennsylvania. Okay. Yeah. So were you out here then left? Or were you... Yeah, there? so I was born here and then I left with Gilbert. So my mom is American. My mom's from New York. Um, with Gilbert and how it took the roof off our house in Stony Hill, my mom was like, this is not ideal to have no roof. So we went to New York. My mom's um, family is there. My grandparents were there and everything. And so we stayed in New York. And we would just come back every summer because my dad stayed in Jamaica. Oh. Mm-hmm. So, um, yeah. And then I... I always kind of maintained my relationship, I guess, with Jamaica through music, mm-hmm. right? As many people in the diaspora do. Mm-hmm. So between summers, it was this kind of ravenous um, 
uh, consumption of music um, on Hot 97, on WBLS, um, the stations that played the music. And I always found it very weird, right, in my like nine-year-old, 10-year-old um, head how delayed the music was, yeah. right? Like I would have heard the song over the summer and they'd be like, new tune in March. And I'm yeah. like, that was like six months ago. This is not new. And I still vividly remember when action started being played on the radio. Mm. Two years, Arthur, wait. Yeah. And I'm like, for real? Like, come on. Like, this is just a problem. Um, so, yeah. So, that's that's what I was always, you know, interested in. And so, you have your musical memories and I have mine. And I definitely remember, like, being home in Jamaica and, like, my dad had a system. And even after he stopped the system, he had all the equipment. And he just played music in the morning whenever he felt like it. And I remember waking up to Luciano, like, stretching to, like, hearing yeah. Luciano, just hearing music all the time. Yeah. So that... For me, um, I asked you about dub because dub is important to me as well. Um, but even in that hip hop space, and that's why I was asking about that, like thinking about uh, Puff Daddy and what he was doing with James Brown, yeah. right? And so when all my friends whose parents didn't play the classics, right, the classic yeah. R&B in their homes, they didn't know yeah. that everything Diddy was doing had been done. Yeah. And you know, when Lauryn Hill was singing Killing Me Softly, they didn't know Roberta yeah. Flack had existed, but I always had both in my head. Yeah. So I had Roberta Flack and James Brown and all these classic things, and then I'd hear brand new hip hop. And I'm like, mm-mm, yeah. not brand new. And then the same thing for dance hall, right? I love General Degree just yeah. as much, maybe more than you. Um, Spraga. Um, I remember going on, um, walking down from Stony Hill to go to some pool somewhere. And me and my sister didn't want to walk back up. And we were like, we're going to just boom a ride and try to get back up to the house. And Papa San picked us up. No. And we were in his van back driving like, oh, we're going back up. You know, it's just like silly little things. But all of it kind of adds up to, to, to the ways that I was always in Jamaica, even when I wasn't physically on the soil, <laughs> right? So the music is a wild space. Um, it's good to talk with you. And I do think that we have some, some uh, musical kindred thing going on. Yeah, so yeah. I appreciate this stuff. Yeah, no doubt. For posterity. For posterity. For posterity. It's important that I make an insertion right here regarding protests. Now, protests in Jamaica do not, on the face of it, look like protests in the USA. But at the core of the American-born Black Lives Matter movement is a message that is shared by folks living in African diaspora spaces worldwide and folks living on the continent as well. Systemic abuses of power against Black bodies must end. As a Jamaican and a Black American, as an Pan-Africanist with a revolutionary soul, I support this movement. Protest in Jamaica, I will add, it did not die after Walter Rodney was banned from entering Jamaica or when Rodney was exploded by assassins in 1980. What did happen after Rodney is that Jamaica's already small middle class became more jaded, more muted, and more disillusioned. Maybe Rodney would say they became more white-hearted. In many ways, the university ceased being the hotbed of political fervor and revolutionary thought. But still, the spirit of protest, it was not lost, and it is not lost. 
after decades of neoliberalism, after centuries of being in this new world, we feel the protest at dead yards hosted in St. Thomas. We feel it in the revival churches in Portland. We feel it in the late night dances in Raytown, and even in the hedonism of brown Jamaica's carnival revelers winding through Kingston's corporate area. But no other recent time screams protest in the classic sense, in the sense that we are seeing folks in the streets of Abuja in Nigeria, of Lagos in Nigeria, or like we are seeing folks in the streets of Portland in the USA. Nothing else screams that protest in Jamaica, nothing like the 2017 Tambourine Army. I recall in 2017 when the Tambourine Army mobilized to loud out sexual predators and marched in Halfway Tree to show support for survivors of sexual assault. And now today, the fighting spirit continues, not only on the sidewalk, in the form of a protest with placards, not only as roadblocks at high traffic intersections, when someone is gunned down by the police unfairly. And not only in reggae chants demanding justice for Babylon's killing, but on the timelines and feeds of the Prime Minister, the Jamaica Constabulary Force, the Jamaica Defense Force, and the world. On Twitter and on other social media platforms, Jamaicans of all backgrounds vigorously unite under hashtags to speak boldly against the colonialism and corruption against colorism and addressism that often feed injustice on this island. So no, protests in Jamaica do not on the face of it look like protests in the USA, but there are protests nonetheless.